Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of current and classic horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews and discussions may include spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. The state of Florida has issued a Category 5 hurricane warning. All residents must evacuate immediately. Grab your families, your loved ones, and get out. Distract them for you. You got this! You need to go now. I'm not leaving you here! Today's discussion highlights director Alexander Aja's 2019 aquatic creature feature Crawl, which is currently streaming on Prime Video and Hulu, in which protagonist Haley searches for her missing father during the height of Florida's hurricane season, though once she finds him at their old family home, the storm cuts them off from the outside world, and just as they begin to contend with the rising water level, a pack of hungry alligators make a house call. And joining me today to chat all things creature feature and gators is film writer Christian Valentin. You can follow him on Twitter at GenreFilmAddict and on Letterboxd at More underscore Badass. Christian's one of my favorite film accounts to follow on both platforms, so be sure to check out his work. And without further ado, here's our conversation on Crawl. Christian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you today. Um, I don't watch a ton of creature features, so this is a fantastic opportunity to get to talk about one of 2019's bests, I think. Before we kind of get into the film Crawl, I'd like to ask you if you can remember the first profound horror film from your youth that uh, made a good impression on you, for uh, for better or worse. <laughs> uh, it's probably it's also a creature feature. I don't know if you probably even consider it a horror movie, it'd be Jurassic Park, the first one. I was big at the dinosaurs when I was a kid, and I'm with I was actually the Lost World the first one I saw because I was around with like 11 or 12 or whatever. And and if, after that, the T-Rex, seen it, I was having nightmares. And uh, in our local, our local video store, they had a big cardboard T-Rex uh, uh, advertisement for it. I couldn't even, I couldn't even look at the thing. So, so it, it would, it would freak me out. <laughs> so, so definitely Jurassic Park was the movie that really impacted me as a kid. And then but I, I grew I grew to love horror. Not that feeling, but yeah, that movie really messed me up as a kid. I still loved it though. <laughs> yeah, I definitely consider that um, that to have a lot of kind of just horror elements in it, especially like as a kid, right? I mean, it's kind of the perfect introduction to a lifelong love of horror, but also like creature features specifically, right? Because mm-hmm. I think at that age, what is the natural um, two kind of like creature feature focused movies that you'd see as a kid? It would probably be Jurassic Park and or Jaws right so it's like either (laughs) one of those two more than likely yeah but yeah i had a similar experience with uh with jaws in that i watched that from a very young age like most people did and then it would just i mean that one's a little more horror centric overall but i think it's still very comparable right it's this idea that it's introducing this idea of like the creature and the creature that's Mm -hmm. hunting you and Mm -hmm. as a little kid like it kind of makes you readjust the idea that like well yeah humans are at the top of the food chain essentially but in getting faced off against with this being or this entity, granted, it's more realistic you'd run into a shark than a dinosaur, but still, it's uh, it's still the same kind of like primal fear. And they're both still Spielberg movies too. Right. And Jurassic Park definitely built upon the cadence that Jaws <laughs> perfected. Mm. A lot Absolutely. of uh, you know the the suspense and the the, uh, 
the character drama and all that. Absolutely, yeah. And I um, also have a similar experience just in terms of like movie cardboard cutouts at uh, the video store, whether it was like Suncoast Video or Blockbuster or whatever, just mm -hmm. there being like a very specific um, cardboard cutout that it's just like you would almost avoid and then kind of like have uh, fear of going back to that video store at another point <laughs> in time where you're just like, oh man, I hope that's still not up. It's been, Hopefully it's been long enough that it's gone now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In terms of we're talking about a creature feature today, what about the creature feature sort of subgenre makes it a standout uh, for you? I think at least I think the best ones they're they're half suspense thrillers and also have just a celebration of creature. I mean, uh, special effects and practical CGI effects. You know, especially with uh, like going back to Jurassic Park, the movie just a fantastic blend of the practical animatronics with the CGI. Same thing with Jaws, by using the shark sparingly and building that around the suspense and the like you said, not being part of the top of the food chain, <laughs> it definitely built upon that, that primal fear. Absolutely, yeah. That's probably what is the biggest standout to me is just the blending of practical effects and then also obviously some CGI in there to kind of like punch it up a little bit. But they're really kind of, it taps into that visceral nature that really comes across. And I think that's what makes the practical effects obviously be a huge standout in really bringing that creature to life <laughs> in a way that it might uh, being normally in life, or maybe it isn't, but right. So I think that that is definitely one of the elements um, that I personally really enjoy about it. But also in sort of starting out with Jaws, where it's a singular creature, and then all the advancements in practical and in CGI work, and seeing how that genre grows from a singular threat to multiple threats. And uh -huh. <laughs> in between that, there's a lot of varying degrees of uh, success, right? In terms of like Absolutely. whether they vary too far in terms of practical effects or if it's more CGI and it's kind of this delicate balance that I think the genre is we're kind of like inundated with creature features nowadays to the point where <laughs> it seems like it might be easier than it actually is to kind of capitalize on that in the way that's intended. Well to get a bit of a head on itself with Crawl that's actually where I felt it was pretty successful and that if the creators are all CGI mm -hmm. they don't really have a great sense of weight to them you feel a part of the world and they don't feel and you watch a sci-fi channel Creature feature, and you can, you know, it's just, <laughs> just CGI is terrible. Mm -hmm. You know, man, then you think, oh, CGI creatures, they don't work. But Crawl proves that they can work really well. Absolutely, yeah. That is, to me, I mean, my next question was going to be what makes it a standout for you from other creature features, but I think that's a great starting point in that when people probably hear creature feature, like you said, the first thing they probably think about is a uh, sci fi channel Saturday night special movie where it's a shark with. 19 tentacles or something like that or 10 heads or whatever mm -hmm. um and they probably associate that with like really really bad cgi and mm -hmm. that was what stood out to me about crawl in that it did not resemble a lot of creature features that are cgi focused but there's more than one creature and yet the cgi is of a quality that it's not the usual kind of like distractingly bad cgi that we're used to mm -hmm. and it really makes a a damning case for like people that say, oh, well, CGI is never as good as practical. But in this case, I think this is an example where you can use CGI and creature features and it be just as, if not more so, effective. I go back to Spielberg, go back to Jurassic Park, the T-Rex attack where you use the rain and nighttime to make the CGI look better. Crawl used those same techniques in terms of being in the crawl space, darkness, mm -hmm. the saddle, being in the murky water. That definitely helped this, you know, any flaws in the CGI not be seen it makes make it more grounded in the world in terms of it being a cgi focused film with for the creatures the creatures for the first half of the film are not in the water a lot right you might think that you would want to have them be in the water a lot just because you can kind of like hide limitations right i feel mm -hmm. like that's what a lot of movies that have subpar cgi often do they're like oh how can we hide the limitations of yeah. the technology we're using but our introduction to the gators in the crawl space is that it literally falls down through the stairs and destroys the stairs and then <laughs> you kind of just see them in this tight dark environment but the way that we kind of are um, the way that the crawl space is captured it never feels like it's trying to hide anything it never feels like mm -hmm. it's shooting around limitations we really yeah, occupy not. that space in a way that you never feel lost in it and you never feel as if they're kind of like cutting angles to shoot around some sort of uh, limitation. Definitely what I really like about the movie is that it has that evolving sense of threat. Besides out in the cross space, it's such a dry. They are fast indicators because the gators are on foot. They have barriers. They know they can get behind the pipes, be safe there. 
And as the movie goes on, it starts getting more flooded. So it turns into the gators territory where they're in the water. So that, that sense of ever-evolving danger throughout the movie is definitely an aspect that makes it put it above other similar movies for me. And they knew how to use that space really well. Yeah, and I think that that would be some people's fear maybe when they hear, oh, this is a movie that largely takes place in one location. I mean, that's the <laughs> fear of a lot of like mostly single location films, right? It's all about how you explore that space and how you keep that space interesting. Because otherwise like it's like, okay, this has been played out. We know everything about this environment, but to see it actually evolve from like the crawl space and then contending with different um, threats throughout the film, right? It opens with uh, the main character, Haley fleeing the hurricane or rather going right into it to try to find her father at their uh, abandoned house. And so first you're contending with the hurricane and then it becomes, okay, there's gators. And then it becomes, okay, the water is now rising. And the ever evolving threat is really, really great. I think in this film in terms of like just pacing the scares, right? I mean, absolutely. for horror movies, the thing that is always kind of like working against it is that you don't want to show too much early on, right? Because then that third <laughs> mm-hmm. act is going to be dull or boring or fall apart. Yeah. But in this film, I feel that it's continu- continually evolving to the point that it's like, yeah, you see the gators in the first 25 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever. But mm-hmm. there's so many different factors that keep changing that you never really get bored with the movie or it's always like kind of outdoing itself or heightening the tension. Yeah, it's actually right at the 20 minute mark when that scare, the jump scare on the stairs happens. So they do a really good job spending those first 20 minutes establishing the neighborhood of the cul-de-sac. You know, you get that first establishment shot where she arrived and you got the like, where the gas station is, where it's located, going to the house, just to protect the layout for later when they go back to the house yep. for, the, for the last half. It's like, you think you're safe? And you know, you're back in and they said they set up the layout of everything with her going through searching. So he, they spent a how do you say the name? Adja? That's his last name, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he spent a lot of time in that first 20 minutes establishing the location and, and a lot of setup. For example, there's a scene where they saw her close the door, the screen door unlocking it. Now he's going to play all the way at the end once you have to get back in. Yep. The door's, and the door's locked. So a lot, a lot of great setup and, and a geography setup in that first 20 minutes. And now for a brief intermission. If you've been enjoying this episode of Daily Horror Habit, please take a moment to subscribe to the show on your preferred streaming platform or leave us a review on iTunes. And thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the remainder of today's horrifying episode. Something that I've come to appreciate about Crawl on the multiple rewatches I've had since the first time I saw it, creature features are not necessarily known for like their stories and their characters all the time. Obviously, <laughs> there's exceptions that might have more to do just with the kind of like mass marketing or mass churning out of these types of movies a lot mm-hmm. of the time and something originally i thought well the story in this movie is pretty lame it's all about the creatures but in revisiting it i'm really impressed with while the characters themselves might be cliched like Haley and her father's relationship it's like very strained and the family broke up and this is kind of their mm-hmm. getting to come back and potentially like heal the fam some of this uh family pulling apart but at the same time like they serve enough of a purpose that it gives the entire film its structure in a way that really facilitates the entire film and there's a lot less kind of forced interactions between them than I had remembered. Oh yeah. I had thought that there was more kind of just like sappy drama between them which there's a couple instances but at the same time they kind of like contain that uh, family drama to the beginning of the film and then it's kind of just once the gators show up it's all about surviving and mm. uh, we get that kind of like cheesy apex predator um, metaphor like throughout the entire film but I mean in terms of like heavily forced character interactions I'm really impressed with how much restraint the film has in terms of not over relying on that yeah that's one thing I know I, I've liked about it too especially noticed it in my rewatch yesterday where uh, the movie picked a lot of care to Mixed the suspense with the character interactions. So they had that one scene, she's going to get the phone, uh, Haley's going to get the phone, and they presumably say, keep talking to me. So while she's sneaking around, he's that time to also build up the character relationship at the same time. It's very, very efficient in that way. And then, like you said, it's very, uh, it's not forced in the interaction. It's actually perfectly natural. And they don't, they don't spend a lot of time on this happiness. I felt like it's all very wrapped up in the survival aspect of it. And, and, and it really never stops moving. Having that character foundation amid the uh, survival, I think another great strength of the movie. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that's definitely key to the pacing of the movie because you're right. Once this kind of like gets started and gets going, 
it literally does not slow down <laughs> for the rest for the next 45 minutes or maybe even like the next hour of the movie it just keeps evolving and evolving and evolving to the point that I mean I don't know for a lot of creature features if I necessarily describe them as being like very intense right I mean there's this kind of like obviously outliers and the, of course like Jaws is uh, one of my favorites that's like very intense the entire time but I feel like this movie it's since it's so evolved it's ever evolving the entire film and it never slows down I find myself even though I've seen this movie now a couple of times like you're almost having to rem like try to guess what's going to happen next and then because it keeps just outdoing itself and building and building and building and one of the early instances of that is the introduction of the second gator right and when they're still uh -huh. in the crawl space and that second one just comes out and that's like that big oh shit moment where now you've doubled the amount of predators mm -hmm. that you, they're going to have to avoid and then by the end of the film i think there's up to five of them or six of them or something yeah. like that once they leave the house and then come back and i mean it's it's really a remarkable it's a lean mean uh, creature feature in that it just keeps outdoing itself there's almost no fat on the movie and it just continually outdoes itself at basically every time. Yeah, my review on Letterboxd, I compared the movie to a, to its lead creature has that, that gator-like fits and seeds. It directs, it goes, knows what I want and goes for it. And it, it's, it's, very, it's a very efficient movie in that, in that regard. Absolutely. Yeah, and I love just the ways in which, like we keep talking about how the film keeps evolving. The way that it keeps evolving a pretty mundane and unremarkable environment which is a mm -hmm. house and they start in this crawl space and i mean they leave the house at one point but i still consider this mostly just a single location mm -hmm. movie and the ways in which that they're able to evolve it explore different parts of the house but never really let the characters ever feel truly comfortable mm -hmm. right at one at a certain point in the movie they find out oh we can hide in one part of the crawl space because the pipes stop the gators from chasing us back here but the two factors working against them are is that obviously the father is either going to bleed to death or once the water starts rising, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you have to contend with that. And it's like their ability to keep throwing these characters, these kind of curveballs, really does ramp up the tension in a way that I think is not something that you experience in a lot of creature features where it's like, oh, the monster is the only threat. As soon as the monster's dead, this whole scenario is going to be resolved. But in reality, even if they killed the, if there was only one gator and they killed it, they could still get taken out by the hurricane, not two or three minutes later. So I love that how the danger never really subsides, even leading up to the few moments before they get rescued in the end. Well, it's funny you mentioned the the father bleeding out because considering all the injuries, those new characters sustained, <laughs> maybe not, maybe not. Because <laughs> that's that's one thing about that movie, the, the Milton movie, and it. I don't know how they don't lose an arm or a leg. It's, it's, that's one of the aspects that's a bit, uh, considering all the, how good the movie is, that stretches uh, believability. Yeah, they uh, they both are experts at fastening uh, tourniquets by the end of that movie, that's for sure. Especially homemade tourniquets. But yeah, I really love um, just the way that we're able to kind of occupy that crawl space and the claustrophobia in that. And it's one of those elements that I could really see a director that didn't have a real mastery of kind of like dancing between claustrophobic tight shots or these kind of like wider exterior shots that really capture both environments, but doing so in a way that they really are shifting up their focus in a way that like you had said earlier, they introduced the landmarks and the landmarks are all presented in a very clear mm -hmm. manner. I feel like if this were a director that perhaps wasn't as accustomed to like jumping between or establishing these sort of just mundane environments, it could be really easy to kind of get lost in this mm -hmm. world of crawl, but the way in which that Aja is able to, I think it's really done in a way that again, it doesn't waste any time. There's no shots where you have to like really reestablish anything, even if it's something that they mentioned briefly early mm -hmm. on. And that's something that I think is really key to, like we've been saying, the film kind of just starting out with there's some exposition, we kind of get the family drama, and then it really just runs with this ever increasing uh levels of tension in this creature feature well that setup was something i definitely noticed for example when she's when he was crawling through originally to get to her dad they set up the screwdriver they set up the cages the the big cages or the, not the, the, the regular rat cages they set up they set up the, the wires when she's dragging them back that come back that come back and play later when they when they're when they're crawling i think it's the second gator and they have to like to tangle up in the wires they so they set up all that really naturally and then when it comes back, it feels earned 
like you know you, you don't really notice it the first time so then when it happens like oh right that's there and then it it almost surprises you while also feeling organic Absolutely, yeah. And I think that a lot of those moments later in the film are definitely earned because of that, right? You've got that legwork mm -hmm. in there. So that way, when it does happen, you're not, it's not one of those instances where you're like, well, that's just a plot device or that's just something that they're kind of like shoehorning in there. It feels like, well, we've been exploring this world and we've been noticing these things. And it's been subtle enough that it's not kind of like, I guess it might be beating over the head with it, but it's not so much so that you're just, it, the camera lingers there for a second and then it just keeps mm -hmm. it moving, right? It never kind of, dedicates any large amount of time to that um and yeah those brief establishing shots when you start to pile those up on top of one another you really get that payoff in those moments where you're just like you almost forget that you remember seeing it a minute ago and then you're like oh yeah that's right <laughs> they've referenced that for a quick second and then you're like okay now i can just you barely stop to think about it which helps with again things kind of just like jumping from ploppy to ploppy to ploppy well, even even in the bigger moments like at the near the end when she finds a gator or a gator even Got another movie that have all oh, we found. Now oh, that's why they're doing this. It's all oh, we just instantly understand. Oh, they were using this part of the house as a nest. That's why they did. They don't. They don't have uh, Haley have any dialogue. It's all understood. So that, that, that's definitely a, a strength of the movie is that that confidence in letting us understand what's going on and not having to rely on a lot of exposition. And the same thing also with all the setup that it follows student with, in that regard. There's such a, I feel like there's an over-reliance on a lot of creature features to like make the creatures have some like motive for revenge <laughs> or something that is almost like a, super, not supernatural, but it's kind of like it's a orchestrated like rivalry between the creature and the people, right? That was one of the things that I think is so great about Jaws is that it's just an animal that's in its environment, right? It's not like, oh, the humans killed its babies and now wants revenge or something corny orchestrated like that. It's more just about these are two people that are coexisting in the same space and one is actually uh, the true resident of that space, whereas the other one is like a, a the people are basically like the invaders, right? Because it's in their habitat. Mm -hmm. And in that regard, like this kind of makes this a um, nature home invasion yeah. thriller sort of, or creature feature, this idea that like, hey man, we're occupying their space. That's the only reason for it. It's not, oh, they have to have revenge because we killed one of them or something corny like that. I just, I love how that portrayal of the gators really just lets us kind of like buy into that these are a very natural portrayal of mm -hmm. animals rather than this, I don't know, this kind of like corny manufactured um, over the top antagonist uh, angle that they can apply to creatures sometimes. Yeah, when you mentioned that, that reminds me of this uh, other movie I saw called Wild Beasts. I don't know if you ever saw it, it's an Italian creature feature. But the thing there is that all the animals in the zoo gets Spike the uh, LSDs that all go crazy. <laughs> so yeah, so the, well, all the animals are rampaging across the city, and killing people <laughs> because they're all they're all drugged. <laughs> so compared to that, this is very uh, natural and makes it makes a lot of sense. I think I need to add that one to my uh, to my watch list, <laughs> but that sounds hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those Italian crazy Italian eighty movies. A lot of lot a lot of Italian gore in that one is crazy. That sounds right up my alley. But in terms of Crawl's gators specifically, I mean, we talked about their CGI being above average. Are there any other elements of the gators, whether it be their presentation or just the utilization of them in Crawl that makes them a standout from other creatures and other creature features? Well, being in the crawl, crawl space, that's the worst of their advantage. They maybe really fill out that space. So, you know, usually, for example, if you see the movie Rogue or or Blackwater, which that also crocodile gator movies. Usually the people that are in the trees or on a boat or whatever. Here they're at the same level with the gator. We definitely see fully outmatched in that regard. And they they, they fill out that, that cross space with their with their size. And it's you know, we're very claustrophobic. And it definitely works in their favor of seeming larger than life. Yeah, that was something that I really had a better appreciation for in terms of there not being a place for people to hide, right? <laughs> I mean if anytime I've watched Jaws or Rogue or whatever, I'm like, okay, but there's some wiggle room there. So then you start getting into these scenarios in your head where you're like, well, if I ran over this way instead of that, like you have options in some mm -hmm. of those uh, films. But in this, it's like you're in a crawl space. There's nowhere that you can yeah. go. It really makes this creature that's already terrifying even more so. It's heightened, I feel, mm -hmm. um, in a way that I don't know that a lot of creature features do. And again, it's just this beautiful marriage of a creature that you're familiar with in a rather mundane setting, but it's 
this ever-evolving location mm. that really does amp up every single scene in whether it be between the gators or the natural um the uh, storm and whatnot i think that it's really really interesting and it how it just heightens mm. everything and it really takes certain scenarios that might be kind of like commonplace in some creature features but then you've got this close-knit environment and i mean that tub scene is one of my favorite scenes in the movie where uh she gets locked in a room with a gator and then she's basically inside the tub and then she jumps over mm -hmm. the top and kind of like sneaks him in there and locks him in and that's a great use for starters of capturing that space yes. like we get that overhead that, shot. Uh, ceiling from the ceiling yeah the overhead shot and then it's just such a smooth transition from that overhead to then the first person and then overhead again and i mean it's that could be a very kind of chaotic scene mm -hmm. to film and it could be a scene that was marred by a lot of quick cuts and yet the way that they present that whole thing is just fantastic from the beginning of it to the end of that scene yeah i think it's impressive how like i said even in the crawl space the gators are so huge they seem so huge and even when they're in the house like that scene in the bathroom the gators like fills up the bathroom it's gigantic yeah. so it, it definitely <laughs> keeps that sense of that mismatch between the humans and the gators even when they're inside the house. Yeah, and I think something that I'm really happy with this film in terms of the way that Aja takes a lot of the brutality from his other <laughs> films, if it was something like High oh. Tension or The Hills Have Eyes, I mean, I was already big fans of those oh, yeah. movies. And so to go, to go from that to a creature feature, I was like, I really hope that his kind of special brand of hyper nasty violence is able to translate mm -hmm. in a way and because again my initial fear with it was going to be okay they're going to try to hide a lot of the limitations with especially when the water starts rising right you're gonna oh okay well it's gonna grab somebody pull them down there'll be a big kind of like plume of blood and then we won't see any kind of like <laughs> nah. nasty detail that we want in our mm -hmm. creature features right and the ways in which they're able to really capitalize on his specific brand of violence and then applying it to a creature feature whether it be the damage that the gators deal or whether it's the damage that people deal i mean it just has that kind of signature violence that he's uh he's so well renowned for i think within uh, the horror genre. have you seen his uh, piranha 3d movie so i haven't seen that i was gonna try to fit uh fit this in before watching this just to see like how much he had learned or evolved since that aquatic creature feature to this one that movie that the last i that movie is like the craziest gore fest like in the last, like, it's like something like Luch, uh, Fulci would have, would have, would have liked. It's, it's insane. It's, it's, all, it's mostly practical too with the effects. So the, yeah, it's, so it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I would have been cool if he had gotten to that, gone to that level of gore with this, but he, I feel he did a good job. I'd say selling the impact. Like for example, the, the big scene when the cop, when the police come and that one guy gets <laughs> ripped to pieces. Like it's like it's it's not overly gory, but it really sells the the the, the impact of the kill. That's like when I remember I showed it in the theaters, the whole the entire the full full packed house. That's the one everyone react to. Of course, the other the other one was when the dog survived. Everyone everyone. <laughs> Those are the two big moments where the whole theater went went wild. This is my assumption: is that in Piranha, there's a lot more of the creatures, and there's probably a lot more like people, right? There's mm -hmm. probably a lot of extras, or there's a much bigger cast size, and so that kind of like widespread carnage. Seeing that applied though to a smaller scale, mm -hmm. I think that that is really impressive in terms of him being able to make each instance of violence, and there isn't a ton of no. it. In I guess. If you're comparing Piranha to this. <laughs> not even, not um, even close. <laughs> yeah, it's what it sounds like. I mean, it, so there's probably like six scenes of violence in Crawl, and I think that it's much more impressive at how drastically different each of those mm -hmm. moments is. It's not kind of the same thing over and over. It's not somebody lost a leg, somebody lost a hand kind of thing. It's like, no, it's we're going to jump around a lot in the types of violence that they show and just the, the gnarly types of wounds that people get uh, in this really makes this fresh in a way that a lot of creature features I find don't aren't necessarily always uh, always achieved. I, I do wish he did have the injuries have more impact on the plot. Yeah, that's one thing I liked about the movie that they really capitalized on the resourcefulness of the two characters. Especially, especially Haley, she's really, they really sell her being a, a quick thinking and, and, and a, but the injuries really don't have much of an impact on her actual survival. With that, that's one thing I thought that in, 
I couldn't pay off when she stabbed the gator with the screwdriver. It's like, oh, they finally have an advantage. They're blind on one side, they can't see, and then it comes back into play. That was one aspect where I thought, oh, they could play with, play with more. At the same time, it's like, she's, not only does she stab it, but she stabs it in the eye. Not only does she burn one of them with the flare later, but she burns them in the eye. Like, that's kind of that, that Aja nastiness that I love. It's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not just these kind of non... I feel like, again, since you could potentially, like, hide a lot of the action that's happening with them being underwater or being in such a dark, cl- uh, a dark claustrophobic environment, we still get a lots of detail oh, what's yeah. happening. Nothing is kind of like these bland moments of striking out at something or somebody getting bitten and then it cuts away instantly mm-hmm. to like them screaming. I feel the camera lingers and we're shown a yeah, lot more definitely. than we usually do in a lot of these types of movies. But at the same time, it's never, it never lingers to the degree that it feels like egregious or overly exploitive, right? We kind of, we get that moment, that kind of like money shot moment and it lingers there just long enough that it never feels like it's outstaying its welcome and then we jump to the next thing and i feel that especially the pacing as it just increases from the um i don't know like the 40 minute mark and then it never stops for the rest of the movie like it just jumps from those moments consistently mm-hmm. to the point that it's just so satisfying to watch and it makes you keep thinking like how is this going to play out <laughs> next and then oh wait they're going to outdo it ne- uh, that last kill right again well, i think that the movie works really well as a survival movie more than a horror movie i think I think, especially, uh, for example, if you're underwater, it's another movie where it's more of a disaster movie to have to have creatures in it, creatures in it, or with the shallows, where it's another movie where survival with a creature, I think Crawl fits in that, into that uh, category, too, where it's, it's very much a disaster movie with a hurricane and it's trying to survive, escape. Then adding the creature to it, it just adds another threat on top of that. So it becomes less of a horror, jump scare movie, more of a survival man versus nature movie with the gators being <laughs> nature very much uh inv- invading <laughs> man's territory so i think treaty is more of a survival movie works to, to an advantage rather than a horror movie you know where you said they want to get pulled into the darkness and then they don't know what other people don't know what's going on it's all survival all, all the time yeah i mean once the gators are introduced they kind of make their presence known in a way that's undeniable and you so for them to like start disappearing and then coming back it's kind of like well, we know they're there already, so we might as well do something creative mm-hmm. with them. But I like what you said about it being more of a survival movie and being more of a thriller movie because the ways in which those movies have their kind of like big moments, it allows you to break up the scares in this movie. And we have a couple of those kind of like jump scary moments, like when the cop gets grabbed <laughs> by the gator or when like the tree comes through the window suddenly in the very mm-hmm. beginning. Those moments are all broken up and they're applied to different things. So at least for me, the way that I saw it was, I was like, okay, here's this horror-centric moment, but then we have this, like, survival moment, and it's kind of, like, stacking these different genre moments on Mm -hmm. top of each other that makes for this really, really interesting and consistently engaging uh, just series of events that, again, by the third act, like, I never got burnt out on anything that was happening. I'd seen the Gators at this point rip a guy in half and rip all of his limbs off and stuff, but then at the same time, then we get this, the father getting his arm ripped off or something and it's never bland and it never feels super expected just because again like there's enough pacing where you're like okay is a tree gonna come through is the water gonna oh no the motherfucker just lost his arm like (laughs) i just love how that keeps building definitely i I, that's what i like about the movie also like you said they they really use that the the situation of the hurricane really well I, i like movies that take place during those like stormy situations like uh have you ever saw Hard Rain from the 90s? Mm-hmm. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, yeah. That's, another, that's another movie where it's funny and at the town, it's more of an, it's an action movie, but they play during the storm. So having that extra sense of danger and nature <laughs> basically escalates everything. So having having that, uh, and, and Crawl having the hurricane roll in and that growing escalation of, you know, the, once he gets there, it's a tree coming through the windows like, oh, she's she's not safe at all inside the house. That really, that really sets the set of sets the stakes very early on. Yeah, and I love that by the end of the movie, it almost seems like okay, we're finally like making some progress, right? They head out of the house, they get the boat, and then the storm dies down because they're in the eye of the hurricane, and you have this calm, and then we get that really great overhead shot of them just standing in the very calm water, looking up. It looks like a picture perfect day, but then the water is settled so much that you just see a gator swim right between them, right? It's kind of like this fake out moment where 
you almost have like this fake ending where it's like, oh, things are gonna get better. But then immediately they get much worse, much worse. And to see them even like, it's kind of like in a haunted house movie, they, when they get out of the house, are they really safe or is something about to grab them and bring them back? And you have that moment where as soon as the levees break, they get in the boat and then the levees basically push them back, back in. into uh, the house. Yeah. They just escape, which is a fantastic moment because initially I might've been fearful, like, okay, we're really gonna go back into this house. We've just been in the house for mm. an hour and 20, an hour and 10 minutes. But again, it's this ever evolving environment. The water level has now risen to a certain degree. More gators are getting into the house and different levels. I mean, it just keeps making this single location very fresh and we start exploring new parts yeah, of the house, yeah. right? Because we get to see the bathroom, we get to see the kitchen, we get to see the up the staircase and the upstairs. And I mean, it's very rare, I think, that a single location film is really like rewriting the viewer's mm -hmm. knowledge of that location mm -hmm. with only 15 minutes <laughs> left to go. In he uses every aspect of the house, but by the end they're on the roof. So he, from crawl mm -hmm. to the roof, he uses, he uses that house extremely well. And then going back to what you mentioned about the height of storm, that's, like, that's another clever way of using the storm and uh, scenario as an interesting uh, suspense uh, situation where at first you think, oh, they're going to creep through using the rain, but then oh, this rain stops. Of perfect timing, of course. <laughs> I can't do right then. Great timing, great timing for them. So now, now they have the whole new situation where they're trapped in the middle of the water. So, so he really uses the, the storm in a lot of interesting, interesting ways in that regard. Yeah, and I think also to your point about it being more of a survival movie, like some people might view that moment of them standing in the eye of the storm when it's died down as being very like calming. But then it's like anybody that knows anything about uh, extreme weather, it's like if you're in the eye of the storm, it's going to then continue to move probably, <laughs> right? So then you're about to just get hit by potentially maybe even the worst part of the storm coming mm -hmm. up. So some people might see that moment as very kind of calm and finally like you can catch your breath. But in reality, like what's coming might be even worse than what you've been dealing with already. So for some people, it's like an anxiety building moment of tension because they're like, yeah, some people are like pretty calm right now, but you guys don't understand what's coming. Yeah, that, that moment also works really good because you have that uh, her finally making a swim and you can see out from the yep. gates of the boat. So that pays off the swim team. Mm -hmm. stuff. And even then it takes better. I come back, you know, in the beginning, it really feels badass and, and worth the payoff, which you actually makes it again and like, it really works as a good emotional uh, plateau for the movie. And, and really, the, the performances really sell that relationship. <laughs> when they finally get to the roof at the end, it, it really feels like uh, they, went, they went through a lot. We finally feel like we can catch our breath by the end of the movie when they mm -hmm. get saved. And yeah, I think that, again, that moment where she finally gets her apex predator moment or apex all day uh, moment, it's nice that they're... Because I could see there being... a. They, them sprinkling that moment throughout the film if it was a filmmaker that had n no restraint, right? They could have gotten so many little instances of that where to dumb it down to just one moment or to restrict it to one moment like that, like you said, it really kind of brings that full circle, that emotional investment. So you get that kind of like awesome achievement unlocked moment, which again, if you sprinkle those little moments throughout the entire film to have that be the kind of like last uh, full circle moment, it just wouldn't have the same impact. And so to, I think it's smart to have that moment and then it, things are just about to get exponentially <laughs> worse in terms of like they come as close as they've probably come to dying. Well, I feel like at the end when they finally rescued, they don't have any dialogue at the end, but they had just lingered on the scene where they hold hands. So it's, it's a really good mm -hmm. wordless conclusion to their to their arc throughout the movie. So it's, a, it's like I said, very, very, very efficient in that regard. Absolutely, yeah. And I think uh, I forgot to mention, but one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie, and it's probably one of my favorite uh, creature feature kills, is when she's in the drain pipe and she finds the co dead cop's gun <laughs> and she grabs the gun and then the gator yeah. latches onto it and then she kind of just like unloads inside of this gator's <laughs> mouth. I mean, that's such a brutal moment that, again, like one of the fears about creature features is like, well, if they have guns, then it's like, okay, the ball is back in the people's uh, mm -hmm. court. But in reality, like, she uses the, all of those bullets on one gator. And so it kind of just reinforces this idea that, sure, you if it's just one gator, that might be okay, but there's like six more outside. And it kind of never allows that sort of moment of empowerment, really. It's so short-lived because you're like, okay, but as soon as she goes outside, there's not only more, but there's all these eggs that are hatching while she's in there. So it's like, 
if people don't come in and clean up this area afterwards, this whole entire scenario could happen again, potentially. Yeah, that moment is like simultaneously a holy shit moment and all, like an awesome, oh my gosh, he shot the gate through the head, it's inside the head, and all, like you said, all back to square one, shot of bullets. So it's like, that one moment is juggling a lot of plates. Again, it could have been very easy to try to have multiple moments where she's just like shooting at gators indiscriminately, but it's like, no, we're gonna give people that want a moment like that, this one really unforgettable moment, and then move to the next type of scare, which almost becomes, again, survival horror in that when she swims out into the body of water, she looks up and she sees like three of them <laughs> swimming above. And it's almost this reverse Jaws yeah. moment where it's like the prey is looking up at the predator, but then of course the predator sees her and swims down and mm -hmm. chases her and all that. So it's a really good juggling of different types of horror moments um, that, I mean, they just continuously do that throughout the film to a degree that it takes this creature feature and it reduces all of the maybe excess moments or kind of just excess fat that some of these movies tend to mm -hmm. have in a way that you're left with a bunch of little moments that are all remarkable for different reasons rather than three or four moments amongst a bunch of kind of just bland generic uh, bits of action or terror or survival horror. Yeah, I think creature creatures definitely have that kind of formula you might expect. You know, you have the group getting together in the beginning, then, you know, here and there you have some few moments of attack, and then finally the creatures reveal, like even like Anaconda has that formula, the other like Rogue and Blackwater had that formula. So <laughs> this movie does not at all, but it definitely makes it stand out from so many other others in the genre. Absolutely, yeah, and I think a big part of that has to do with the fact that it's a cast of two, yeah. right? I mean, in a movie like Anaconda, it's got a bigger cast, so you have certain expectations about how this is going to play out, and often that's where that formulaic uh, path, I think, comes mm -hmm. from, right? You've got seven, six or seven characters, and it's like, okay, plot beats are going to be marked by, like, insignificant character mm -hmm. deaths. But in having just two characters and a dog, who fortunately gets to live for a change, <laughs> you kind of realize like, okay, we have to have these brutal moments, but we still need to m ensure that like the integrity of these two characters remains uh, steadfast throughout the entire film, right? Mm -hmm. You can't kind of have these two people and be like, okay, I don't really care about these people, but then they don't get killed. So it's like, they're going to be around the whole mm -hmm. movie. So again, like the amount of exposition and narrative that they give these two yeah. characters, I think is just serviceable enough that you never find yourself not caring or it's never there's just enough that you get like those little emotional payoff moments like we get with the apex predator moment but then at the same time there's not a ton of like forced interactions or forced humor between mm -hmm. them or anything like that or gallows humor and things like that yeah, i think barry pepper is definitely very uh he's an underappreciated actor i would say and he really he really sells uh the emotional backbone of this movie terms of being like you said the, the mentor and the father and the the uh, motivational motivational force be keeping her going they have that one scene when she's ready to give up and they have they have the finally uh had the back and forth about the the, the mother and father's breakup and, and it can it can be cheesy sitting there surviving trying to survive and to have the conversation now but he he, he, he really sells it as in terms of ways to, to get her get her get her motivated again but he really he really uh and, and her too. How do you say her name? Catalaria. Uh, uh, she really sells it too in terms of being uh, a really resourceful badass in the movie. Yeah, and I think that it could be, again, like if it was a lesser writer, you could have a lot of just kind of like retreadings on the infighting between them, bringing up the past, taking shots at one another. But since so much of that is dealt with in the first 20 minutes of the movie, and then there's a couple of little sprinkling moments of that mm -hmm. throughout, but it never kind of is these just retreadings on things. It feels as if every bit of dialogue is very purposeful. Mm -hmm. um, and I would love to read actually the screenplay for this because I would love to see all the little bits of um, the action in there and how that sort of like coincides with the dialogue yeah. chunks in the movie because this is a movie that I think does, again, keep referring to it as like lean and mean. There's almost no fat mm -hmm. on this movie in a way that is noticeable. And that's always a, a pleasure seeing in whether it be creature features or any type of yeah. movie, right? It's just, it's so refreshing to see something that is so simplistic, but it's so mm -hmm. successful at what it does because it's clear. There's no uh, ex extra fat on it, no bullshit, no kind of like getting in the way of what is 
enjoyable about mm-hmm. this movie. And maybe that's specifically because it's a creature feature and there's so many released all the time. Or maybe it's just like, hey, we get this d- fantastic director dabbling in creature feature again and it gets a fantastic result. Yeah, I always appreciate a movie that's very economical and and, and this yes. movie isn't is that in every regard. <laughs> Going back to the cast, I just watched uh, Saint Maud the other day and it was funny seeing uh, the actress uh, Morfitt Clark popping up as the sister. <laughs> I was like, oh, the, I, I didn't recognize her last time when I saw it, but having seen that Saint Maud recently, I didn't recognize her. That was a cool... Uh, what I, did. I literally just watched St. Maud the night before and then today I was like that woman looks familiar and you only ever see her on like the oh, yeah. smart screen phone so I was like why does she look so familiar and then I looked it up and I was like oh shit yeah and kind of just uh, in wrapping up are there any other moments or elements of crawl that really stand out to you amongst uh, the rest of the creature feature genre uh, I think over a lot of it turns of being the claustrophobic space the, the gators being on a much higher plane of there being a, a mismatch battle between the humans and the gators. But I, I don't think, like I said, it's very economical. And in terms of, uh, I think I appreciate it in a lot of movies. And so being wrapped up in a disaster movie, the, the creature feature movie, the, I, I like to call movies like that, like clockwork, tension where they constantly building on, on each other and interweaving different scenarios. And, and this movie, it, it shows up that perfectly. <laughs> and like I said, it uses the house, that single location, so well. And even just in the crawl space, evolving that space from being dry to being flooded, and that changing the, the threat of the gators from lumbering to being swimming through the water, which changes the whole, the whole scenario. And then <laughs> it's just a really complete package of a movie. And then by the end, oh, crawl two, helicopter's gonna crash. <laughs> you, you can set that, set that up for a sequel. <laughs> well. That's a great point that you make in that the gators become more dangerous the longer the movie goes on. And that's very rarely the case in a lot of, whether it be creature features or just horror in general, right? Because for a lot of horror movies, it's like the longer the film goes on, the more the protagonists or the survivors know how to deal with this threat. They begin to learn this threat more than the threat actually probably knows about them. And so to see the gator ba- gators basically get a new skill set of abilities that shift with the environment changing, like that again is an element that makes this so intense from the beginning to the very end of the movie in a way that I don't think a lot of creature features are. But also in mentioning the house, something that I've begun to grow more and more fond of is just the idea that the the gator's abilities continue to evolve because it's like, okay, if I was in a house and there was a gator, I would be like, well, I'll just run up the stairs. Like I can get up the stairs faster than they can. But then the flooding just gets so extreme to the point that it's like, no, they, they can pretty much get you wherever you go. And mm-hmm. it's not a threat that you can run away from or that you could be like, well, I would just, I would have multiple ways I could get away. It's like, no, you're in this tight claustrophobic space. You're right there with it. There's not much else you can do. Yeah, it definitely sets, sets it apart. You know, from a movie like The Shallows, where it's similar, it's claustrophobic, it's trapped on the rock, mm-hmm. but the starting to really evolve. Maybe the scenario. Yep. So that, uh, that really sets it apart from either recent movies in that regard. Yeah, I think uh, the one thing that we've definitely established in chatting is that like creature features need to pay just as much attention to their setting as they do whatever type of creature or foe the people are up against. Because really, the creature can only do so much mm-hmm. to a certain extent. And it's like having this, of whether it's an ever-evolving environment or just an environment that is unique in favor of the creature, I think really goes a long way in just prolonging and ensuring that it's a film that never kind of like hits its peak too early or kind of just presents a scenario where after a certain extent, you're just like, okay, I'm kind of like getting tired with this premise. Yeah, and not even just horror. I watch a lot of martial arts movies and once you see a few hundred of those, it's like you can only, only do so many more, so many different styles, but the way those movies stay fresh is you know, different scenarios, different environments, using different places as arenas that allow for different, uh, combat scenarios so and so crawl definitely epitomizes that that aspect in horror i think absolutely yeah i totally agree with that and in uh kind of just wrapping up i guess uh if you had to recommend two creature features that you're fond of what would they be that and maybe like one that would make a great introduction for people that aren't super familiar with the genre and then maybe one that um people maybe haven't seen before i've definitely uh, the gray is one I really appreciate because similar to this movie, it's 
survival movie. But also have you have the creature aspect of the wolf attacking it. It really balances those out really well in terms of just being this really bleak, uh, uh, overwhelming survival experience. And in terms of one that's maybe lesser known, uh, I'll go back to one of, the one I mentioned before with Wild Beasts, where it's an 80s Italian kind of gore fest, but the kind of creatures, the animals in the zero let out into the city. So you have all these crazy scenarios, like I mentioned, a woman in the car being chased by a cheetah, you know, uh, swarms of rats attacking cars, elephants crushing people. It's it's really ridiculous, but it doesn't really, it's really, it goes all out in the whole, in that aspect. And I have to say another one, if you've, have you ever seen the movie Roar? The, uh, that, that, that's another one, it's like, you have to see to believe. It's not, not even technically a creature, creature comes across as one. Cause even though it's meant to be a family adventure movie, it's very much not. Absolutely, yeah. I think, yeah, creature features are so much fun because even the ones that don't necessarily aim for realism, you kind of get the, both ends of the spectrum are fantastic, right? You get the ones like the gray that are very kind of like based in reality in terms of it being part survival, part creature, but then also you get the ones that are creature features, but they're like so completely batshit insane that you just, you have to see it to believe. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's an element that I really appreciate about the, uh, the subgenre and that you get, whether it be the more mild or the kind of just like far out there, it's going to be entertaining for multiple different reasons. And, uh, it's movies like Crawl that I think the more kind of like mainstream creature features mm. that we get of this quality, mm -hmm. I think I would hope that there would be more of an emphasis on pushing out more and more quality creature features rather than maybe the sort of mass market approach that we've seen over the last 10 years or so. And I think I think we're starting to head in that direction. Actually, hopefully. another one that came to mind, I was talking about in 2019, it's called Ropes, but also I'd be, I did also another word to the name Prey, the Spanish movie, where it's a girl, she's paralyzed from the neck down, trapped in her house by her rabid dog. So it has, an, it has, another, it has another, that other claustrophobic sense where she's trapped in the house and the dog trying to get in and she has this limitation of being paralyzed. So she's trying to survive in that regard. And eventually the dog gets in. So that, that evolves to the danger in a, whole, in a whole different way. So that's definitely one I, that would be a good double feature with, with Crawl. It's only different reasons to also being having that same similar small cash, claustrophobic vibe. That sounds like uh, Misery meets uh, Cujo, so I definitely <laughs> need to check that one out. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. But hey, man, listen, I had a blast uh, chatting crawl with you, and I, uh, I hope to have you on again in the future sometime. Yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed uh, this experience. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service, and follow the show on Instagram at Daily Horror Habit, and on Twitter at Daily Horror Pod for episode updates. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.